He tells stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Mac. Good morning, Maka. How are you today? Yeah, good, thank you. What are you up to? Oh, I've just been for a beautiful walk along the beach and had my little tootsies in the sand and in the in the water, and it's absolutely stunning up here. Beautiful morning, Maka. Oh. I just thought um, some of your guests might like a different perspective on Australia. We hear a lot of the truckies that call in. Nice to hear the different perspectives all, all over the country and on your wonderful program. Just want to shout out to all the ladies that are going through breast cancer right now and treatment is that um, you i'm going yes that's i'm one of them mm. yeah i just wanted to say good morning to all the ladies and the men that are uh, battling the, the disease macker i've been listening to you since um oh gee yeah five years five or six years yeah come on <laughs> come on for many many years and i just want to say i i i just i used to work weekends um as i work with airlines so i work weekends and I just love it. I love the I love the program. I love everyone ringing in from all over the world, actually, and listening. And um, good morning to you and all your listeners, and um, have a great day. I, I'd be generally jumping in this morning, but I had a port fitted, and um, I'm not allowed in the water. But I'm I'm a swimmer. I swim all year round, and I just love it. It's my happy place. It's my go-to place. I grew up at Cronulla. I was just there. I was just there the other day. Oh. Oh, really? Right, kids kids just, I don't wear budgies. (laughs) Mum used to make me board short. Never the budgie person. (laughs) You take care. Bye, Macca. Got a cracker. They tell stories so grand of this vast, timeless land, and they call it Sunday with Macca. They all call it Sunday with Macca. Yeah, they all call it Sunday with Macca. Get on with it, Macca. Good morning. Welcome to the program. That was Margot last week. Wasn't she lovely? It's her go-to place, speaking of which we just spoke to Martin, who is in Melbourne. I think he was at Hampton, and he says he swims. They go swimming every morning. The temperature, what do you say the temperature was, John? Nine degrees, was it, or something like that? That's cool in Port Phillip Bay, swimming all along the bay. Margot was swimming. Oh, she wasn't swimming because she had a port fitted because she had uh, she'd been um, dealing with breast cancer. But a lovely lady. It was just, it's lovely. And as she said, it's lovely to hear calls from all around the place, all over the world, listeners from all over. So if you're around the world or wherever you are, you can give us a ring, 1300 It's uh It's a crazy time. I'll play that song in a minute because it is a crazy time. But uh, Stuart said in an email to me, give us a ring. Uh, he says, uh, Ian, when hounds grow old, <laughs> they still love their... Their walks, because we were talking about dogs. He says, along the the river in Lonnie, Launceston, a baby carrier is just a ticket. Now, I've seen that. Have you seen people wheeling their little dogs <laughs> along in a little stroller? Yeah, a little stroller. I have. He says, that's what happens along the river in Lonnie. Uh, Wanderer says, on today's program, there was lament over solar panels not being manufactured in, in Australia. They used to be. Back in 88, when I worked for a Sydney-based county council as a radio tech, I installed solar-powered radio site to the west of Wyong, uh, uh, out of Sydney, a large solar installation back then, and the panels used on the site were manufactured in a western Sydney suburb by Solarex. In the lead-up to the installation, I was given a guided tour of the facility's production line and methods including shaving wafers of silicone from a square bar to go into the panels. If my memory serves me collect correctly uh, and of course my forgetter works much better than my rememberer these days 
<laughs> my forgetter works much better than my rememberer these days, says Wanderer. <laughs> Uh, if memory serves me correctly, SolarX opened another facility in the USA to manufacture solar panels. I have no recollection of the Sydney faculty, uh, facility Sorry, after 1990, says Ray from Fredericton. <laughs> my rememberer. My forgetter works much better than my rememberer these days. Morning, Ian, says Vicky. Uh, the paper bags Woolworths are now selling are made in China, yet our butcher in Noosa Civic uses paper bags made in Australia. That's what we all need to be doing, kids. That's what we all need to be doing. Martin's in Hampton. Is that right, Martin? Yes, Macca. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. That's good. Uh, I'm just ringing from uh, Hampton in Melbourne. Um, I'm just about to go down to have a swim with a bunch of friends from the Icebergers in Brighton. Mm. Uh, But we've uh, now moved down to Dendy Street Beach because it's the gym's closed at Brighton. Uh-huh. And I just wanted to say how um, through COVID, um, the swimming's been really great for a lot of us because a few of our group live on their own. So we just head down the beach and swim out to a couple of poles and um, sort of catch up, have a chat that way without uh, breaching any rules. Yep. And uh, we're swimming in, I think, nine degree water at the moment. So it's getting I know. chilly. Are you wearing a, do you wear a wetsuit? I have, I have gone with a wetsuit, I've got to admit. You know, I've always not warm one, but it's it's getting to the stage now where we're starting to swim fairly good distance, so it's worth having a wetsuit. Yeah, on. so you're in the water for what half an hour or twenty minutes? Yeah, or Yeah, so. probably about half an hour, about a k to k and a half sometimes. Uh huh. So it's yeah, it's been really, it's been fantastic. Um, it's just we had some most beautiful mornings down there. Just the, the um, sunrise has been spectacular, and we haven't had a lot of wind, so it's been really great. Yeah, my friend Margot, she's my friend now. She rang last week and she said. Um, that swimming just does it for her. She goes swimming all the yeah. time, and um, but yeah, uh, you're pretty brave. Uh, so where where do you swim, and how far you is know, that from? You know, you, know, you know the bathing boxes at Dendy Street. Have you seen the photos of all the coloured bathing boxes? I have. Yes, I have. Yep. Yeah, we we gather down there and we swim out to. There's a couple of poles just uh, off the shore, and we go around a couple of poles and come back in, and we've all got our own little uh, devices. We take a bucket down with warm water to put our feet in after it, and. All that sort of. We've got all the tricks going now. So that's what um, my mate Kieran does. Up. He goes swimming, um, but he's up in Sydney, and uh, that's uh, the water's a lot warmer. It's about sixteen or seventeen there. But he he takes a yeah. ther- uh, because there's no warm showers. He takes a thermos of warm water and pours it over his head when he when he gets out. Which uh, yeah, we've all, we've all got. Uh, one of the guys has got a bucket with little holes in it, and he, he tips it over his head like a shower. Uh, and a lot of us take thermoses for water for our feet. <laughs> But that's that's probably the worst thing, the feet and the hands. Oh, yeah. But but it's a great feeling when you finish. And I think it's a real growing thing, uh, 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 sea sea swimming in the sea. There's so many more people swimming now that you see around. Yeah, well, I I think so. Everybody's got to try and find something. You've got to to do something, Martin, to take your your mind off the absolutely bloody ordinary, don't you? Yeah, and it is a great feeling when you... When you're all dressed and finished, it makes you feel fantastic. Yeah, it's a great place too in the in the bay, swimming in the bay, and uh... yeah, the bay the bay has really it's really been great. You know, I think um, since they stopped all the scalloping and everything, the bay has become really a much um, healthier place, and there's a lot more fish. We see, we see dolphins a bit now, and uh, there was a whale in the bay the other day. Wow! So it's really coming on. 
Yeah, Adam Lindsay Gordon used to swim in the bay. You know that, don't you? He used to. He used to the poet. He was. Um, All right. Yeah. He used to swim out there. He was a bit. Uh, he's a bit of a wild man, and he used to swim out there almost to. Um, to exhaustion, he'd swim right out into the middle of the bay. I'm not sure from where, but yeah. uh, that was the story I heard. And he'd swim out there, and oftentimes he had to be rescued by somebody in a rowing boat, and they'd go out and help him because he oh, he'd yeah. just swim out for I don't know how far. But that was the story I heard. But um, yeah, it's a yeah. great a great exercise. Takes your mind off everything else, doesn't it? Yeah, when you're doing something good like for that. Our, our old uh, our previous president, uh, I think he died at 99 and swam till 97. Harry Raysback, he was a fantastic old bloke. Wow. Good on you, Martin. Good yeah. luck. All right. You, okay. You Thanks, mate. I love your show. Thanks, mate. Good on you. Okay. Bye. Later. Bob's in parks. Morning, Bob. Good morning, Mac. How you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. Now, you were speaking about writing letters. Now, I wrote a letter about uh, six or seven weeks ago, and it came back this week with a sticker on the front saying, this letter has been returned due to service suspensions resulting from COVID-19 virus. And then it goes on to tell me I can get my money back. I sent it to <laughs> Africa, yeah. but it took it six weeks. But not, and I don't know who rejected it because it hasn't been stamped. It was airmail. So I don't know what the go is. So what did but, it say? Uh, what did it say? It says on the front of this, this orange sticker they stuck over the address. It says, this item has been returned due to service suspensions resulting from COVID-19. Visit Australian Post, etc., etc. if you want to get your money back. <laughs> so, so I don't know. So where did you send it to Africa somewhere, did you? Yeah, I sent it to the School of St. Jude's, to a student in, in Tanzania. Uh-huh. Well, and it, it took it about seven weeks to come back. So they're probably... Yeah, well, I suppose what that says is that um, around the world, and especially in Africa, things are, can be pretty grim with this COVID nineteen, Bob. Yeah, well, but they, but they're back at school now because I there, there was a program on the ABC. I oh, know what what do you call that zooming business or something? Oh, um, Z- yeah, Zoom. Yeah, I'm a bit over Zoom. Yeah, well, well, the, the schools and youths did a Zoom sort of a presentation about ten days ago, maybe because. People were writing letters, couldn't get through. Yeah. Yeah. So I wrote this letter after you suggest we write letters. Mm. (laughs) It didn't do me much good. Well, not that one, but but maybe yeah. If you if you write another one, if you look closer to home, it probably probably get through, Bobby. But yeah, I can I can imagine that um, it's hitting the fan. If you know what I mean, in in parts of Africa, because um. You know they're not as uh, well. They're third world. A lot of those countries, and um, they're it's a fabulous place. I went. I went there for a couple of years back. But the, the next time I want to send, I do. I will. I, I I wrote the letter and gave it to my daughter because she can do email business. And she emailed it through for him. So that nobody was touching it. Oh uh, well, maybe. Yeah. Look, I don't know. You better. Just call. Um, yeah, take it. Take it easy for a while. Maybe write to them later. I don't know when this when this damn virus goes away, Bob. Who knows. We'll, we'll survive. Yeah, exactly. How's things in parks, all right? Oh, bloody beautiful. The crops are up. Beautiful. The fact that there's not enough stock to eat the grass off to hold it back a bit so it can form properly. <laughs> but the cattle are that fat and so are the people. Yeah. And <laughs> but we're going all right here because we haven't got any complications. There's not a lot of us, so we can just poke about a bit and I can ride my bike and yep. do things like that. And bump into Elvis. And the rain was beautiful. 
you're going well, mate. Sing that little song again. G'day, g'day. G'day, g'day, g'day. Yeah, all right. I'll play it later. Um, it's a, a, <laughs> Good ages, ages since I've heard it, actually. Isn't it amazing? I just yeah. That bloke rang up and said, oh, we heard it. And, and then I think... Yeah, we heard that, him talk, man. That was 88, yeah. 1988, Bob. What were, what were you doing in 88? I mean, there you go. Isn't that amazing? I, I think that was you will celebrate the 150 years of Captain Cook or something. Uh, t- we had uh, big no, celebrations in... It was 200 years uh, when uh, Arthur Phillip arrived. So it was 1788, 1888, 1988. Yeah, it was 200 yeah. years, yeah. And yeah, I was away that week. <laughs> good on you, Bobby. <laughs> I, was out, I was out trapping rabbits. <laughs> Thanks, See ya. Good on you, mate. Bye. <whistles> g'day, this is Macca. Hey, oh. g'day to you too. This is Ken. Hi, Ken. I'm calling from Doha, Qatar, on approximately the 14th anniversary of ever listening to Maka. Oh, there you go. What are you doing in Doha, Ken? What do you do there? Well, I work at a now. I work at a the Australian equivalent of a TAFE. But uh, when I first heard Maka, this was uh, 2006 July, and he was auctioning off bananas. Uh, because uh, Hurricane Larry had toasted the um, in his file the banana crop. Yeah, North Queensland. And uh, things were yeah, things were pretty bad. And here I was in the Atherton Tablelands, north of Atherton, near Croydon, bicycling. And it's uh, you know six seven o'clock in the morning, and I'm listening to who in the heck is this guy? Maca? There you Isn't go. Isn't that McDonald? <laughs> well, now the history has. Unfolded. There you go, Kenny. So now you're in. Where were you were on holidays in Australia at that time? Were you? Yeah, I keep coming back to Australia regularly, but this year I can't because of the. I'm not Australian, so I can't come into the country and go bicycling anymore. Uh huh. But uh, maybe next year. So how you work at? You said the equivalent of a TAFE in uh, Doha and Qatar. What what sort of things do you do, Ken? Well, I teach uh, students going into uh, engineering, technology, or health sciences, uh, either chemistry or physics, and uh, get them on their way. Uh huh. And how are things in? in how long have you been there? How and how are things there? Well, uh, things are fine. Um, just like uh, many other places, uh, uh, we we have uh, positive cases, and uh, we have uh, recoveries. And uh, almost no deaths. But, uh, my God, Victoria right now is in some real strife. Yeah, well, a lot of places around the world are in real strife. But, yeah, you're right, Victoria is, and especially some of the nursing homes. I note the federal government's um, uh, decided to um, do some things about uh, looking at all the cases that are in uh, retirement homes and things like that, which is very, very, very scary for all those people who are living there. and and people. We've got family there too. Well, see, the thing is, uh, people don't understand how dangerous this virus is. It doesn't care who you are. And it just looks for a weak spot and then it leaps. And, uh, you know, some people uh, actually die. Others don't seem to have any symptoms at all. It's really strange. Yeah, and I don't think, you know, I, I still don't think we know a lot about it. Um, you know, I mean, we know a lot about right. it and we don't know. There's a lot we don't know about it, I think, you know, and whether it'll come back, whether you can get it twice, all those sort of things. 
That's correct. You're right on there. Yeah. All right. Um, anything else? to So you like uh, living in uh, Doha, uh, Ken? Yeah, it's uh, it's okay. It's um, it's a different way of living, just like uh, going to any other country. But uh, so far, so good. It's quite warm here. Days, uh, high 30s, low 40s. Nights, eh, 20s. Uh, well, let's hope it's not too long before you can come back and go uh, bicycling around Australia. Kenny, okay? Take care. Good on you, mate. Nice to talk to you. Thanks for your call. Hi, Macker. It's Isabel from Brisbane. Hi, Isabel. Hello. I was the person who called in a few weeks ago um, to tell you about the plane crash in Wandai and how it's the 30th anniversary of uh, my dad's death in that crash. And I called to um, oh, see if there was anybody listening who might be able to put me in touch with other friends and family of the victims. Was there anybody listening? <laughs> there sure was. I just I wanted to tell you all about it, actually, because it's just been the most amazing few weeks. Um, so many beautiful people called me and shared really beautiful memories and um, and conversations with me about some of the other victims and their families. You better tell met... you better tell people quickly uh, about the crash when it was and what. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so this was um, back back on uh, July the twenty sixth in nineteen ninety, and my dad was with some other men on a light plane that crashed just outside of Wandai. Um, they'd been from they went from Sydney up to far north Queensland, and then it stopped back in Wandai to refuel and drop off one of the passengers. And just after takeoff, um, there was a really unfortunate, um, just one of those things that happened where the plane crashed about eleven seconds after takeoff in the nearby paddock. So. Um, really, really difficult event for many, many people. Um, all the men had wives and children and uh, the townspeople of Wandai were deeply affected as well because it's, you know, there was a lot of emergency work, workers that came out to help and everything. And in, in fact, there's a memorial and a plaque at the uh, scene of the crash, which particularly mentions the compassionate effort of the people of Wandai at the scene. So Wandai has always held a, a special place in my in my heart and that's where I am today because the wonderful people of this little town have helped to put together a commemorative ceremony that's happening at noon today, which I'm going to be attending and giving a speech at. So it's very, very special for me. So, yeah, well, that's isn't that interesting? You just uh, tap into that and the, um, the Bush Telegraph, if you like, uh, just <laughs> finds people all over the place. That's right. Well, that's what's happened. And, and so many people called me from all over Australia and sent me emails to tell me how they remembered that day 30 years ago as well. And um, I had uh, dinner last night at, at Wandai Diggers with the wonderful Winston Burroughs, who's a pillar of the community here in, in Wandai, and his wife, beautiful wife, Margaret. And um, they've just, everyone here has just been so, so welcoming. And uh, I also wanted to mention that um, they're having a running festival in Wandai this weekend as well. And the organisers of the running festival include including um, uh, Tony Fowler, who I, I know is, um, has spoken to the program before. I met him, and he's, uh, he was, it was just a wonderful meeting. And then I also I, I walked into the town, and I saw on the, uh, on the, um, in the park there, because the, the country markets were on yesterday as well when we arrived, and, um, and there was a, a sign uh, on a little pavilion there saying that it was the Percy Islob Pavilion. And I remember that Percy Islob was one of the uh, people in some of the news articles around the time of the crash because he was a councillor 
and I believe later was the mayor. And um, and uh, my new friend Winston told me that Percy used to call the show quite a lot back in the day and, and have a chat with you um, about everything going on in South Burnett. So, uh, yeah, it's just been ama- an amazing few weeks of uh, wonderful human connection and um, it's been very, very special. I'm, I'm extremely uh, honoured to have been a part of it all. And you've been living with this, I suppose, 30 years. It was in 1990, did you say? And, and yeah. uh, hard to come to terms with, I suppose, Isabel. Yeah, look, um, time heals, definitely. It really does. And uh, and it's only on these big milestone anniversaries that you have the opportunity, I think, especially to really reflect on how far you've come. And, uh, and you know, I didn't know any of the other um, families of the victims or any of the people in Wondai who, who helped at that time. So um, it's just been uh, an amazing opportunity for all of us to come together. So, yeah. So that's uh, that's happening today, Isabel. You yeah, it's happening. It's happening today. It's happening today at noon. So uh, mm. there you go. Nice little town, Wandai. Yeah. Nice little town. It's there a used, great town. There used it's to a be great a great town. There used to be a little trotter called Wandai's mate. A little <laughs> really? trotter, little pacer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, look. Um, when when the crash happened, the the passengers weren't coming to Wandai as a destination but I can tell you it is a great destination to come to. There's The running festival yesterday um, was kicking off and there was a real buzz about the town some fantastic pubs and um, we went we stopped in at the Antique Centre and all kinds of things so it's just been an absolute pleasure and the people of Wandai you know, people are, are what makes the place you know, so the heart and soul in this town has just been amazing so um, I'm so so thrilled to be here <laughs> Isabel, it's a lovely story. If, if you, uh, it is. Out of bad things, good things happen too. So that's You're nice. dead right. Isn't that yep. nice? <laughs> All right, Isabel, keep in touch and nice to talk All to you. Right. Thank you. Thanks. You too, Macca. See ya. Bye. Top of the morning to you, Macca, and you and your listeners. Thank my you. Name is, my name is Flan, and uh, I'm, uh, here, I'm calling you from Sorrento here in uh, Victoria. Uh-huh. Uh, what I'm ringing about is I was listening to you this morning talking about uh, children and if they're outside and they learn a lot more. I've got four grandchildren and we have a little farm up in uh, North Victoria in Drummond. And these four children, you would not believe it, Minnie Mae, Dolly, Willa and Tennyson, they spend all the time outside playing they're never on their computers. They're so busy doing stuff. And this time they've gone up again and a uh, little lamb has been rejected by its uh, mother. And they've put a nappy on it. They're feeding it. And it's incredible. They're learning so much, a lot more than what they would at school, I think. Yeah, and they'll, they'll live with that for the rest. Of, they'll remember that all their lives, mate. You do that when you're oh. a little kid and those sort of things happen. And it's, it's, it's there for a reason. And uh, I think they're, oh, they're, it's so great to see it. You know, it's incredible. But uh, that's, that's all I wanted to talk to you about, you know. Flannan, when did, when did you come to Australia from Ireland? I, how did you make out I was Irish? Oh, I don't know. Just have a feeling. You know, the name, Flannan. <laughs> All right. No, I came out here in 72 with uh, two of my brothers. Uh-huh. And then uh, I come from a family of 16. Oh, of course. Nine as, by, as you do. Nine yeah. by seven girls. <laughs> Your poor mum. How do you mean poor mum? She's a rich woman. Any Anyone, the more children. I've got six children. The more children you are. 
money cannot buy that. <laughs> Good, healthy children. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so you came out here in 70-whatever? 72. 72, and you've been here ever since. And you've got a farm now in where? In Up in Drummond, not Dr- Drummond. Drummond. Oh, there you go. Yeah, it's just up near Bendigo Way. It's only a little farm. Yeah. But it's, uh, we've got a... Uh, a little potty lamb. Cattle run. Yeah, and a little, pot- a little potty lamb you've got. Yep. Yeah, we just got that, got that little lamb now. Yeah. It's, it's only a week old or something. But it's uh, these children there now, they're learning how to actually uh, rear a lamb that's been rejected. And this little thing, they, they put it in the bath and give it a bath yesterday. So it's, uh, you know, just to see it, I think it's incredible. Just uh, And these are city kids and they're going from just to the rural life, we'll call it. And they're loving it, absolutely loving it. And they're as healthy as, you know, it's, uh, I think it should be compulsory that children should be able to, or have the yep. opportunity to go to these places. I think, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I, I'm going to try and do it for little kids I know, a little city kids stuck in the city. When times get better, Flannan, lovely to talk to you, mate. Good on you. No worries. Have a great day. A pleasure. Bye. Okay. Bye. G'day, Marco. G'day. Uh, it's Phil from Brisbane. Hey, I feel a bit embarrassed about this, but I'm sure you'll treat it the right way. I've been very fortunate, my wife and I, where War Baby Boom has retired, and financially things are really good for us, and, you know, in fact, we've saved money. But we ended up twice getting that 750 you know, the ScoMo money. So between us, we got three grand over the past couple of months. And I think, I feel really embarrassed about that, but what I've decided and what I wonder a lot of other people might do is just give it away, give it to people who really need it and anonymously. And I think there would be many like us who say, hey, I'm not doing it tough, but I know lots of other people are. And maybe that money circulated into the rest of the community where people are really hurting. And I've, we've tried to do that. I, um, you know, I didn't want to make a big thing of myself, but I think there would be others who'd want to do this. I, I would hope so, Phil. You, you, you called it scomo money, which I think is, <laughs> that's a great description. But uh, yeah, or, or give it back to the government. Because I was thinking, and I said a couple of months ago that you know maybe people who can afford it should take a pay cut and it should go back to the government because this money's got to be paid back sometime. And I noticed the other day Tony Abbott had said something like the same thing that people are on say more than one hundred and fifty or two hundred grand a year. And if they can afford it, if they're not like Flannan, who's got, who had 16 kids and he's got eight or something. But if, you know, if you can afford it, I think, yeah, because it's it's mind-boggling, isn't it, the the debt? And I think that's a wonderful thing you, you say, Phil. And if you're getting that, well, yeah, give it away or give it back to the government. Uh, I don't know. That's probably too hard to do, you know. Or maybe if you see... Well, probably giving it to the government's a bit hard, but I think giving it to other people who spend it wisely. I mean, that's going to say things like food or... Uh, you know, petrol or whatever they've got to try and apply for their jobs or try and look after their kids. I mean, we, we live in a very wealthy section of Brisbane, but there are people who are hurting here too, you know, people who have had a pretty good lifestyle, but now they don't have any income and they're, they're struggling. So, and there's a lot of charities like Odd Harvest, you know, people who need yep. food, whose kids need stuff to go to school or, you know, 
Uh, and I just think there would be many like me who say, hey, I'm not doing it tough, but let me help a few others. And one of the great things we can do in life, and I don't know how we manage it, is to make distribute income just a little bit more equitably. I, you know, I, I think if somebody works hard, they deserve to get some money. But I think one of the problems in the world, certainly, and in Australia to a certain extent, is that some have a lot and some have nothing, you know, or next to nothing. And if we could just maybe just change that balance just a little bit, um, I think it's always nice to give people an incentive to work harder. But if we could just change that balance, feel a bit and and find those, because there's people without a bean. And I know a bloke who's, you know, lives hard and he's always going to a, a food place every week. And he was a picker once upon a time. But, you know, yeah, I just, I don't know how you I'd would... Probably, uh... Probably spoiled it a bit, but it's really nice to give it anonymously too. I know I've done that a few times and I sort of think, yeah, there's only me and, you know, me and my wife know about it. So, you know, but, but I've blown it a bit by saying this. But just a reminder to others, think I, about it. It's, it's a, a great way of doing it. It's a great reminder, Phil. How's things in Brisbane? Oh, pretty good. We've had some lovely rain and we're just heading off to the Gold Coast to see our grandson, sorry, our son and grandchildren and, uh, yeah, we've really appreciated the rain, and it's been really good for the country here, so we're very pleased. Um, we we feel for, even though a lot of people carry on about Queenslanders and the rest, we really feel for the Victorians and, you know, everyone else is doing it well, tough, and we think it's so sad. We're all Australians, Phil. We're not Queenslanders or Victorians. We and you, we're all Australians, That's and the sooner we remember that, the better. But your thoughts uh, this morning, it's a great message to give out to people, and that's why I love talking to people like you. Good on you, Phil. Good on you, Maggie. You run a great program. We listen to it a lot. No, so you're running the program. I'm just here pushing the buttons sometimes. <laughs> good on you. See ya. Okay, okay. Have ya. a good day. Yeah, bye. It's our home among the gum trees, and if you've got the time, I'll tell you why I live where I live. That's a story, kids. That's a story. I'll tell you why I live where I live. Last week I had a letter from Jenny. Uh, it was about moving from Perth to Kalongaluk, but she didn't tell me why. So I sent her a little email during the week and said, look, uh, why did you really move? But then she's replied to me. She says, thanks for reading my letter out this morning. We were listening last week. But you also talked about why Australia doesn't manufacture anymore and why we don't value add rather than exporting raw materials, says Jenny. Jenny Gillies and Martin Oliver. She says, my husband was raised in Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe, although he always says that he's never been to Zimbabwe as he left Rhodesia before it changed. He often tells the story that when the world imposed sanctions on Rhodesia and all the neighbouring countries closed the borders, the country was forced to start making everything it needed. He says it was hard at first, but very soon the people adapted, new industries developed, and the country started making everything from shoes to farm machinery. In those days, it was a very prosperous country with good infrastructure and it produced so much food, it was called the food bowl of Africa. Sadly, that's no longer the case. He always says that if they could do it then, 55-odd years ago, surely Australia could do it now. And who knows, maybe COVID-19 and China's bully tactics may be the impetus we need. Let's hope so. Jenny continues, In answer to your question as to why we moved here to Kalongaluk, I guess lots of things contributed. I was originally from New South Wales and met my husband in Perth on a 12-month working holiday that lasted 30 years. After retiring from our business in Perth, we were sick of city life and were spending considerable time as grey nomads in remote locations. We were both country kids and the appeal of country life was still very strong. 
After my dad died following a long illness, we decided it would be good to be a bit closer to my mum as she is getting on, 84, and still lives in Gunnedah, where I grew up. My husband had a yen to try living on the East Coast, as he'd only ever lived on the West Coast since coming from Africa in the 1970s. Anyway, we looked all around and finally settled on this two-acre block in the farm country between Foster and Taree. We've built a house as hands-on owner-builders, our little patch of heaven. The river is right here and we can boat down to Foster to go fishing. <laughs> That's the plan. We've been lucky to have something to do during lockdown as we are still working to develop a garden, veggies, fences, sheds, etc. Keep up the good work, says Jennifer Gillies and Martin Oliver. And this one from Johnny Dodds, he says, We came to Australia in 1953. We've lived in Melbourne ever since. We now live in Eltham, which is about 20 k's from the centre of Melbourne. Most families live near my little house is about 50 years old and next door to a small cottage heritage listed built about 100 years ago for the Anglican Church just across the road. What I like is the church bell ringing every Sunday around 9 o'clock for services. The pub is just two house blocks away and I think that's also heritage listed as they are not allowed any outdoor billboards etc. There's plenty of trees, everywhere plenty of bird life and no wide streets, not allowed to build houses above the tree line. Great village shopping centre, stay safe says Johnny. Johnny Dodds, thank you, Johnny. And from Patsy Mitchell, and I read this last week, Patsy says, Last Sunday you read out a letter in the Why I Live Where I Live segment about a couple living on a boat, Mr Walker, in Turkey, 30 years ago. That was us, and it certainly brought back some memories. We did eventually sail home with two small extra crew members, and we established our shore base, first in Coffs Harbour, then Cobar, and finally on the Maclay River near Southwest Rocks. For the last six years, though, we've been living aboard, this time in a different boat, Mr Macorber, in mainly Australian waters. Wasn't Mr Macorber great? Do you remember Mr Macorber? He says, oh, something will turn up. <laughs> something will turn up. It's about all I remember from my school literature. Our lives have been certainly enriched by both our sailing and land-based adventures. During the last few months, we've talked a lot about those times as we sorted old photos and letters. Your reading of the letter was like an exclamation mark to those reminiscences. We do wonder why our letter rose to the surface after all these years. All the best, says Patsy and Dave. Well, Patsy and Dave, it rose because I just leafed through our back pages. I've got all letters and all that sort of stuff, and I just was leafing through it. And, and there's so many wonderful letters, really. They're just fantastic stuff. So, and yours just drifted to the surface. <laughs> no other reason, just serendipity. Uh, that's what happened. And finally, from Tim Leroy. Ian, we live about three k's from 52 turbines in Tarwin, Lower South Gippsland. At night, our bedroom is filled with the grinding roar of them. Our neighbours nearer to the turbines suffer even more. Almost every component of the turbines was imported and they are controlled by a centre in India. In one quarter alone, the operators reported 15 wedge-tailed deaths. That's wedge-tailed eagles. Wonderful birds. I've got a lovely book about it I'll tell you about in a minute. We had a wonderful three-week period when the turbines were all inoperative. Must have been the wind not blowing, was it? We then really appreciated how much these turbines have stolen our tranquility. How about that? Why I live where I live. If you've got a story about why you live where you live or why you don't live there anymore or why you wished you lived somewhere else, post office box 9494 Sydney 2001 or you can send us an email or find us on Tinder or whatever you do. You know the drill. That's why I live where I live for this week. Don's uh, Port Hedland. Is that right? Good morning, Don. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, good, good. I'm uh, actually about an hour and a half south of Hedland. Mm-hmm. 
Um, stunning morning up here, crisp, beautiful sky. Looking forward to, I don't know, well, it's currently about 13 degrees. And what are you doing, uh, Don? Um, I'm a, a chaplain up on uh, a, a mine site up here in, uh, in the Pilbara. Oh, wow. That's an interesting job. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to, um, I'm privileged to be on, online and uh, wanted to give a shout out to um, uh, the, the men and women who work in the mining industry, but also particularly uh, for those who have relocated due to COVID um, and um, many, many people making huge sacrifices uh, to be away from family for months. Um, and I, I know a lot of criticism for people in, in the mining industry, but, you know, some of these men and women... Um, have made huge decisions to be away from family for months. And, uh, you know, I just like for people to be mindful that um, instead of hanging crap on some of these people, we just say, well, good on them. I don't know that I could do that, but we've got thousands of people that do. Exactly, Don. I couldn't agree with you more. Now, listen, you speaking of people away from home, where's home for you? I'm Perth-based. Mm-hmm. So I, I fly up uh, like these folks. So I do the FIFO life. So I'm away from, from home and the people I love and people who love and care about me. So... I have a little bit of a, a sense of what that's like for those who have been doing it certainly longer than me and very different rosters to me. And um, so a lot of the, the workers are fly in, fly out, FIFO, and um, and they stay, uh, what, in camps and stuff, and that can be really tough, I know, for, for young single blokes and, and whatever, and married blokes, I suppose, but especially for young single blokes. Is that right, Don? You'd have more experience than anybody. Yeah, look, it, it can be. What I'd say, though, is I know I know that across the industry, regardless of which uh, company it is, um, the, the site on life, what, what these companies do, they do all that they can to provide activity activities and um, points of interest for the employment force when they're, you know, having an RDO or um, if they're going to, when they're preparing to do R&R. A lot of these folk uh, fly down to Perth. Uh, again, I'm going to focus on the those who come from the East Coast or from overseas even um, to make it, make it so that when they're not on site, at least they are somewhere where they can have a degree of normality that they'd have if they were home. Um, so these companies go to great measures to provide all sorts of activities um, so that these people can have that bit of normality. Yeah. Don, um, how did you get into the um, chaplain business, do you reckon? Um, well, I, I'm, a, I'm an ordained minister and um, one of my, excuse me, I've got a radio, one of my colleagues was um, involved here and uh, he just told me what was going on and I got interested about um, 10 years ago and just things unfolded. I made an inquiry, put an application in, had an interview, got off of the job and Eight years later, I love it like the day one. It's great. And have you mostly worked up there at Headland, or you go other places, or what? Um, no, I've been I've been to very different uh, various sites that uh, we have, and um, uh, you know some some of them are production mines. And I'm currently working on a site where we're just building a new mine site. Um, it's very exciting to see that happen in the beautiful Pilbara. I'll say I love Port Hedland. I always wanted to do a program in Port Hedland. We did one from Caratha a couple of times we've done at Caratha, but there's something about Hedland, even it's it's sort of real outback in some ways, isn't it? Even though it's on the coast and you know, but um one one day when things get better, Don, when things improve and they will. Um They will. 
you've got to um, you've got to try and be positive about all these sort of things and just muck through, as I think Winston Churchill said about you know in the war they had to put up with things. I don't know yeah. the new normal won't be normal anymore; it'll be different. But um, yeah, things yeah. will get better if people just keep their keep their heads and keep thinking of others, like Phil in Brisbane, who phoned me a little while ago about his um, he got the seven fifty dollars. Um, and his wife, and he said, well, look, I don't need this because I'm retired and I've got a house yep. and stuff, so he's going to give it away or give it to charities that he finds and help spread the money around. The money will go around and people who haven't got any, yeah, will deserve it. And through charities, Indeed. that's a good thing to do, Don. Indeed. Well, um, thank you for giving me a minute on air. And as I say, um, it's a pleasure. Uh, let, let, let's all just be, be supportive of um, those who are making those decisions because the economy depends on lots of what's going on up in the Pilbara and other places. But um, exactly. for some of these people, it, it's not it's not, it's not not um, beer and skittles up here, I can tell you. No, exactly. Good on you, Don. Uh, I'll meet you sometime. Nice to talk to you. Uh, that would be a privilege. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Bye. G'day, this is Macca. Hello, this is Robin. You used to know me about um, 18 years ago. It's Robin of No Fixed Address. When I used to travel on the Bicentennial National Trail with pack donkeys. Oh, that's right. Yes. By gee, that's a. Was that twenty years ago, Rob? Was it? No, it was about yeah, about eighteen. I was just trying to think of it. About eighteen years ago. I was trying to trace it back from how old I am now <laughs> to how old I was then. <laughs> you're 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 obviously we all are different people. Twenty years on. Um, how are you? What's well, I'm Robin of very fixed address these days. Uh huh. <laughs> Yes, um, yes. I've, for the last six years I've been fairly settled and I uh, live in a place called Horse Camp, which is uh, just south of Jinjin in Queensland. Yep. And, um, and I realised with all this COVID stuff that I live my life in lockdown pretty much anyway. It <laughs> 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 hasn't changed for me much at all, which is very fortunate. I remember when you rang, I thought it was a very exciting thing to do, to walk the National Trail and over the Great Divide and along the Great Divide with a couple of donkeys and, yeah, you are on, on your own and, gee, um, how did it all end up? Good? Oh, it was the best thing I ever did. Mm. I think when I spoke to you, I, I, I didn't actually realise that you and your show existed when I, when I did my first leg of the National Trail, which I did on my own. But I think once I found out who you are and started to call you and write to you, I was travelling with a partner and um, <clears throat> I'd converted to, to from the Shanks pony to the real pony, the real McCoy, and um, still had my pack donkeys. But, um, yeah, I was taking it easy in the saddle. <laughs> yeah. 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 And last, last when I actually met you in person. Um, near Toowoomba, you were doing a little gig at a little hall, and it was in the middle of the. Um, it's just at the beginning of the equine influenza, oh, and I yep. and I got stranded. Mm, I got stranded. I was just about to start the um, the southern half of the national trail, and yeah, got stranded, and that was the beginning of my settling down. <laughs> I, I never have recovered from that. So <laughs> that you... was like a horse COVID, wasn't it? <laughs> I'll say so. You 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 describe yourself as settled now, do you, Rob? I do. Yeah, yeah I do. <clears throat> I have thought. Oh, I I recently got myself another couple of donkeys because I live on acreage now, mm. and um, <clears throat> I have thought of going back and revisiting. But you know, I think sometimes when you revisit something in the past that was really good, 
it's not the same. No. You know, it, it can be disappointing, I think, and I don't want to meet that disappointment. Yeah, well, maybe you could do another walk or something. I mean, uh, I have people talk uh, to me, they do the Hans Heisen Trail or the Human Hovel in New South Wales or the Bibbulmun Track. And there was another, mm. what's the other track in Western Australia where it's, it's about 1,200 k's, I think. Um, oh, uh, I don't know. Bike, uh, it's a bikey. They, you can ride a like a bush bike or something along it. But um, they're all things you can do. But there's nothing like the National Trail. I mean, we should all do that, but we'll never get a chance. Uh, tell people about it, Rob, quickly, because a lot of people weren't listening when you phoned 18 years ago. What was that, um, what was that like? Well, it, it, um, it starts in Healesville or ends in Healesville in Victoria, whichever way you go, and, and the other end is Cooktown in Queensland. And um, it was the brainchild of R.M. Williams, and um, a fellow called Dan Seymour pioneered it back in the early 70s, I think. But it was officially opened in 88, which is why it's called the Bicentennial National Trail. Mm. That's 5,000-something kilometres, the whole length, I think. How long did it take you? Well, I'd, I only did the Queensland leg from Withcott, which is at the base of the Toowoomba Range there, the range at Toowoomba, and went to Cooktown. And that took me eight months. To do on foot. That was when I was just walking with donkeys. Then I went on to travel from um, Mundubra to Brisbane on horseback with donkeys. Then I did another trip from Mundubra to Rockhampton and back with on horseback with pack horses. And then I did another trip from Mundubra to um, St George. Great to talk to you, Rob. Yeah, good. Yeah, you have a great day. See ya. Okay, bye. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.